Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Amen. Oh, there's power in the name of Jesus. Morning, everyone. Well, we've spent the last month or so looking at some of the the words of Jesus. I love that we've got into our Bibles and we've read the the bit that's coloured red, Jesus' actual words. And I hope that you've been blessed hearing from the speakers we've had so far. The Beatitudes, if you haven't been here, are eight things that Jesus said, eight promises, eight kingdom principles um, for living a, a blessed, a happy life. And it's come at a good time because the world will tell us that you should be depressed right now. That you've got no money after Christmas. It's cold and it's dark. But Jesus' promises are not linked with our circumstances. We can be blessed through and because of our circumstances. What what makes you happy? Um, I was thinking that some of the things that used to be my punishments as a child are actually my absolute pleasures at the moment. Sarah, eat all your dinner. <laughs> okay. Uh, things like, stop running. Okay, that's, that's a joy as well. You can't go out. Yes. So, some of the things, you must go to bed early. These are the things that, that make me really happy at the moment. But when Jesus talks about being truly happy or blessed, it's not the things that we would assume because the blessings aren't linked with what we can do. We can't earn the blessings. We can't find happiness at the bottom of a wine bottle. We can't find happiness, our true happiness, in bringing other people down. That's how the world tells you. If you just bring other people down, then you'll feel happy. Instead, being blessed or fortunate is more about our attitude. It's about our dependence on God. Jesus was turning people's ideologies upside down, their pride-filled sentiments. He went completely against what the disciples had been previously taught. You see, they probably expected the kingdom of heaven would belong to the children of Abraham, to the Jews. That you'll be children of God because you do the right thing, because you've been righteous. But Jesus' teaching is like a grenade. It's the opposite of what they knew and they believed. It's probably what ultimately got him killed. But he died for those people that he talks about, the poor in spirit, the meek. In the Beatitudes, this extraordinary upside-down teaching, at least it seems like it's upside-down teaching of what the kingdom of God looks like, Jesus gives us a new lens with how to view the world. We've heard from Rob and Pastor Sarah. We've heard from Michelle and Wesley and and Josh over the last few weeks about the Beatitudes. And I'm just going to ask Joseph just to come out and and read to us, just to remind us of these, these special things that Jesus said. reading from the NIV, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 12. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of peace. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. I was saying to Joseph earlier, I'm going to commission him to write some bedtime stories on audio. I think that would help us all, right? Gorgeous, velvet voice sending you to sleep. (laughs) We're going to be staying in Matthew chapter 5 today. But I want to start by looking at the promises that Jesus gave. You see, the first and the last beatitude have actually the identical promise, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The other six Beatitudes have different things. Things like, verse 4, they shall be comforted. Verse 5, they shall inherit the earth. Uh, They shall be satisfied. They shall receive mercy. They shall see God, for they shall be called sons of God. But notice that the middle ones, the middle six, are all about the future. They shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be satisfied, etc., But the promise of the first and the last beatitude, verses 3 and 10, seems to relate to the present. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's like we've got all of our future hopes sandwiched between these very present truths. It could be, one theory about this is, it could be that the six things are, these are things we can count on because we are part of God's kingdom. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The kingdom brings us comfort. It brings us uh, satisfaction, righteousness, mercy, a vision of God, the title Son of God. You don't have to pick and choose among these promises. They all belong to the kingdom. Equally, another implication could be that this is Jesus' way of saying that the kingdom of God is present with the disciples now. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But that the full blessings of the kingdom are for the age to come. They shall inherit the earth. In other words, Jesus has brought the kingdom of heaven in his own kingly power and fellowship. And we can enjoy four tastes of it here and now. But the full experience of the life of kingdom will wait till the age to come. And yet we have this foretaste of heaven now, don't we? Matthew 5, I'm saying in Matthew, Matthew 5 verse 16 says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, God is already our Father. We are already the sons. The point is that the kingdom is both now, it's both present, but and its future. It is both. We have an understanding and experience of the reign of God now, but we will experience vastly more in the future. I love how inclusive Jesus' gospel is. I love that this is the gospel for the losers, the gospel for the broken, the gospel for those people that aren't normally included. 
that now are included because God is reordering the way that the world should look like. See, it's for these people. Blessed are the, the poor in spirit, the B team, or the C team, as I always was in school in PE. I would never make the grade. The, the people who don't get it, those people whose spirits have been crushed, the zeros, the people that keep messing up and stumbling. This gospel is for those who mourn, for the brokenhearted. And I've just sensed there is such pain this morning, the brokenhearted. This gospel is for you, for the, the devastated, the grief-stricken, those who know pain, those familiar with tears. This is the gospel for the meek, the underestimated, the unnoticed, the passed over, the bullied, the marginalised, the discriminated against. This gospel is for you. The hungry and the thirsty, those who want justice, those who ache for the peace of God, for things to be right, those who feel the pain of their own inadequacy, who need to change the way the world walks. This, this works. This gospel is for you because God meets us in our struggle, in your lack, in your brokenness. God is going to meet you there. And we've got to, not got to claw our way to the top. You don't need to stamp on other people to get there. God's going to meet you in your brokenness at the bottom of the mountain. You see, if God blesses us at the bottom, it has to change the way that we see others. It has to change our view about others. Because then come the next four Beatitudes. Because if God accepts us in our mess, in our struggle, in our weakness, then it has to change the way that we see others who are stuck in their mess, in their struggle, in their weakness, in their broken and their hurting lives. We've got to become more empathetic, church. We've got to start judging a lot less and see ourselves in that person who is struggling. We've got to extend the grace that God's given us Extend that to them. Because then we can begin to do the showing mercy, the fifth one. We can show mercy to others. We've got to start spreading mercy around. Doesn't the world need a lot more mercy? And when we live with more mercy, then our hearts can be whole. And then we can have pure hearts before God. And then we can see people the way that God sees them. He needs Christians to start looking through his eyes a lot more. And when we see the world differently, we can resist that urge to take a side like the world wants us to do. We can start bringing peace. And when we find ourselves living in peace, you see how they all link? When we find ourselves living in peace, then it's likely that it will lead to persecution because we all know the world wants us to pick a side but righteousness wants everyone to flourish. We've got to start asking ourselves some difficult questions. Who am I colluding with? What am I resisting? When am I standing up for the sake of righteousness? Are there situations in my job where I'm forced to go with the flow? Who am I speaking out for? Who are the voiceless in my life? Am I laughing along with the everyday sexism, the casual racism that my friends and my colleagues spout? You see, Jesus lived out what he preached. 
He touched people. He spoke to people in a way that, uh, that they had never experienced before. He said, let the children come to me. He touched the leper with healing. I love the, the story of, the, in, um, it's in Matthew still, um, Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 to 22. It's the, the story of, of Jairus' daughter. And on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, there's this lady. And she hasn't got a name because women weren't important back then. And certainly not this woman. It just says the woman was bleeding. But she was bleeding for 12 years, the 12 years that the little girl um, who was about to die and then died, you know, this, the same 12 years. And she was desperate. Because if you bled in those days, you were unclean. No one would have wanted to go near her. Unclean. She hadn't been touched. She hadn't been hugged. And Jesus has such compassion on her that when she touches, she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she touches it. And Jesus says, whoa, someone touched me. And the disciples are like, duh, Jesus, everyone's touching you because you're like so cool. He doesn't really say that. I should Sarah paraphrase. Everyone's touching you, Jesus. She says, no, someone touched me in faith. I felt the power come out of me. And there's the woman saying, it, it, it was me, it was me. He healed her so publicly that society could accept her again. See, if he'd done it in private, she could have gone, I've been healed. They would have gone, ah, it's the crazy woman. It's the, it's the woman with the issue of blood. Don't come near us, don't come near us. But he did it so publicly, she could have that acceptance. If you speak out, are you willing to suffer for it? Because it might just happen, as Josh spoke so eloquently about last week. You know, when, when we read the Beatitudes, we can see how God will be with us when we stand for righteousness. He'll give us grace in our poverty. He'll give us uh, grace in our brokenness, in our lack of power, and our ache for justice. I want to just read you a story. Because... It speaks of one voice bringing about a revolution. And you, you may know this story. Um, it's from the Ukraine. In 2004, a guy called Viktor Yushchenko stood for the presidency of the Ukraine. He was opposed by the ruling party. Yushchenko's face was disfigured, and he almost lost his life when he was mysteriously poisoned. But that was not enough to deter him from what he knew he had to do for presidency. On the day of the election, Yushchenko was comfortably in the lead. And the ruling party, not to be denied, tampered with the results. The state-run TV station reported, Ladies and gentlemen, we announced that the challenger, Viktor Yushchenko, has been decisively defeated. But in the lower right-hand corner of the screen was a woman by the name of Natalia Dimitruk. And she was providing a translation service for the deaf. As the news presenter regurgitated the lies of the regime, Natalia refused to translate them. This is what she signed. I'm addressing all of the deaf citizens of the Ukraine. They are lying. And I'm ashamed to translate these lies. Yushchenko is our president. Well, the deaf community sprang into gear. 
They text messaged their friends about the fraudulent result and the new spread of Dimitri's act of defiance. Increasing numbers of journalists were then inspired to also tell the truth. Over the coming weeks, what was known as the Orange Revolution occurred as millions wearing orange made their way to the capital city of Kiev, demanding a new election. And the government was forced to meet their demands. A new election was held and Viktor Yushchenko became president. I was reading a book by Philip Yancey and, and this is what he says about this story. I think this is so brilliant. When I heard the story behind the Orange Revolution, the image of a small screen of truth in the corner of the big screen became for me an ideal picture of the church. You see, we as a church do not control the big screen because when we do, we usually mess it up. Go to any magazine rack or turn the TV on and there's a consistent message. What matters is how beautiful you are, how much money or how much power you have. Similarly, though, the world includes many poor people, but they rarely make magazine covers or the news shows. Instead, we focus on the super rich like Bill Gates or Oprah Winfrey. Our society is hardly unique. Throughout history, nations have always glorified the winners, not the losers. Then, like the, the sign language translator in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, along comes Jesus, who says, in effect, don't believe the big screen. They're lying. It's the poor who are blessed, not the rich. Mourners are blessed. Those who hunger and thirst, the, the persecuted, they're the ones who are blessed. Those who go through life feeling like they're at the bottom are actually on the top. After all, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That just spoke so strongly to me. We are, we are the sign language translator, but we've got to start telling the truth about the world. We don't need to believe the big screen lies. We are called to speak out the truth. Are you defying the culture are you changing the environment without the environment changing you? And maybe some of you today actually need to do the necessary internal work of showing yourself mercy. You've been beating yourself up too much. It's time to stop. It's time to start to receive the gift of peace on the inside. You do not need to be a prisoner of your past, whatever your past held. You do not have to be a prisoner of that past. It was, it was just a lesson. It is not a life sentence. When Jesus started speaking this um, Sermon on the Mount, you'll read that he just gathered his disciples with him and they sat around. But if you keep reading, it says that the crowd were there. The crowd gathered. You see, the Beatitudes are an implicit invitation that you can become that kind of person. The disciples at Jesus' feet, they hear the words of congratulations. They hear how fortunate you are to be chosen. You can rejoice. It's not your doing. This is because God is in your life. And I start to think about those crowds, and I wonder if they had a bit of that FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. They're like, uh, oh, that sounds a bit interesting, actually. I, I want a bit of that. I want, I want a bit of that blessing. And they start to edge a bit nearer. 
If you see people being promised the blessings of eternal life because they're poor in spirit and mourning and meek and hungry and merciful and peace, pure, pure and peaceable, don't those words beckon, beckon you to want to become that kind of person? You see, the Beatitudes aren't just a celebration for the disciples, but they're an invitation for the crowds, the people who come to worship out of tradition or maybe curiosity, or maybe scepticism. And come church, I hope that you're praying that more people will come, that they'll be excited, that they'll be interested. Because we want the the crowd, the sceptical, the searchers, the doubters, the curious, to come in and to leave knowing Jesus. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.